Chapter 3, Growing Down Luke 10, 21 At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. What would it have been like to be one of Jesus's original 12 disciples? Can you imagine sitting around a campfire with our Lord under a canopy of stars he knew by name while he sang a psalm about those same stars declaring his glory? Just think about what would have gone through your mind as you walked with him through dangerous mountain passes while being utterly captivated by his undaunted peace as he talked about how the Father will always take care of us. What must it have been like to know the terror of hanging out with someone who can read your thoughts and then immediately know the assurance of looking into his eyes and realizing he really does love you anyway? (sighs) To be in that company, man, to see him face to face, just imagine him looking you in the eye and giving you a job to do. And then imagine his smile as you came back with the job well done. Before Jesus went to the cross, Luke tells us he sent out 72 of his followers to proclaim the coming of his kingdom. He gave them power to heal and power to drive out evil spirits. The 72 went out and took care of business. When they returned from the mission, they were excited because it had worked. Diseases were healed. Demons were driven out. People believed in Jesus because of the work they did. Jesus even said, He saw Satan falling from heaven. The operation was a rousing success. But it wasn't exactly time to start handing out medals. Jesus tempered their enthusiasm by saying they shouldn't rejoice in the newly given power or in their results, but they should rejoice that they had a place in heaven, that their names were written in the reservation book of the eternal city. Luke then says that Jesus's outright joy began to overflow in a prayer that they were all invited into. He thanked his father that the coolest things ever were now taking place, that the world was beginning to change, and there were wheels in motion that prophets and kings had always dreamed of seeing. In the middle of that joy-filled prayer, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. Okay, hold on. Stop everything. I mean, if you were one of the disciples, would you have been a little let down by this prayer? I mean, I could see how it would have taken the wind out of their sails. I mean, they, they had just returned from this amazing mission where so much had taken place. And Jesus told them not to get too hyped about what they could do or even what they had done, but rather just be glad about being in this thing at all. He then went on to refer to them as little children and excluded them from this group called the wise and the learned. Ouch. I mean, that prayer is almost offensive, right? Who's he calling little child? These people had worked hard. They had sacrificed. They had given their all for Jesus and they had seen results. Nobody else was out there reaching people and loving the unlovable. Nobody else was binding up wounds and bringing peace to the madness of the world. I mean, it was working. Ministry was happening. 
So why would Jesus kill the mood by offending everybody? The answer is simple. Jesus is offensive. His message is offensive. The cross is offensive. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. He says that religious people want flashy, impressive, miraculous experiences, and educated, accomplished people want the satisfaction and comfort of cold, hard, provable facts. Well, the message of Jesus is both miraculous and it is also completely factual. But it disappoints some and it confounds others. That's because great experiences and great intellect, they tend to shine a spotlight on certain individual people. But the cross keeps the spotlight on Jesus himself. And it keeps the spotlight on his humility. The cross wasn't flashy, and it doesn't take a PhD to understand what happened there. The cross was humiliating for Jesus, and it humbles everyone who wants to truly understand it. Jesus was headed to the cross because we aren't enough. We don't have the power or the smarts to change ourselves or the problems of our world. He went to the cross because none of us have what it takes to fix this place. We aren't equal to the task. We're outgunned. We're outmatched. We are really just a bunch of helpless little kids who need to be rescued. We're not wise or learned or powerful or capable. We are broken and needy. But we are loved to the extreme. Even the best things we do to participate in the rescue plan of Jesus are fueled by his power. We are utterly dependent on him for everything. And the happiest people in the world are the people who learn the joy of just being Jesus' little kids. What brings you your deepest joy today? Is it something you accomplished or something you are? Or are you just happy because of the cross? The cross humbles us because it is an emblem of our utter failure. But Jesus bore that humility so that we can know the joy of being his. The cross lifts us up because God himself endured our shame to make us his very own royal heirs. You see, we're not just little children. We're his little children. And if you're willing to admit that you're helpless and needy, you get to be a child of God. For more on this, get yourself to a quiet place. Read Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 24, and 1 Corinthians 1, verses 18 through 31. Think about what it means to be needy and how the cross levels the playing field, making everyone infinitely special, no matter what they know or don't know, no matter what they can or can't do.